you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Nurso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right. It's it's going to be a little weird, this show. We don't have a whole lot to talk about on the, the back end of things. I know we've been talking about the front office a lot, the management group a lot. Probably not a whole lot of that this week, honestly. Uh, it's been all quiet. Danny Briere is settling into his role as interim general manager. Um, presumably, the Flyers are talking to other candidates for the president of hockey ops and the general manager jobs. We don't really know a whole lot about that at the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. really, all that's left to focus on is the team. So, Kevin, how's the team? <laughs> I mean, they had a they had a decent week, all things considered, when you think about it. I mean, three games that they more or less became heavily involved in. I mean, they had they had a really good game on Friday. There was no doubt about that. Um, the game on Tuesday against Vegas, they were, you know, it was one that looked like they were out of it by early third period. They did rally back a little bit, so they were in it. And one, one of those games that it fits the bill of exactly what you want to see against Vegas because they were out of it, so it felt like, okay, you're getting the desired result, but then they do push back, so at least... you know, Still getting some effort. Well, you know what it is? It's a game that keeps everybody happy to an extent, because they get no points out of it, so it, it, that pleases the draft lottery people, um, but it's a game that John Tortorella comes away from and says, hey, the effort was good, they, they had scored more than two goals for the first time in forever, it felt like, so... Yep. Yeah, you know, the, like, the dead fish efforts like the Pittsburgh game, and even the Tampa game, like, it's just not... <sighs> It's not good for the roster long term. Like if if any players are going to survive this turnover, and obviously we know some <laughs> of them will. Like you can't just beat them with a stick every night for four years. Like you got to give them some stuff to root for. Well, sure, and they like the they've kind of fallen into a pattern lately, and I've noticed this for a little while. I mean, you kind of go back to, I guess it would be really right before the all-star break almost and i mean they were having a good month of january and we knew that but they lost they we saw it kind of start to that january start to end when you know they lost to winnipeg they lost in overtime to la they lost in overtime to minnesota and then they beat winnipeg for nothing and we all kind of like okay that's interesting okay. that's an interesting yep. game that's or whatever a decent team and and then you get no and then you get a week off so it all kind of pauses so they had lost three one one they come back they lose to the islanders then they beat edmonton and we were, again, super impressed with the way that that game goes down because Edmonton, again, with the best player in the world and all of that, they hold them to one goal, go to a shootout, win in a shootout, like the whole deal. Yeah. Then they lose four in a row. Then they come back with a win against Calgary. Good win. Then they lose four in a row. Then they beat Detroit. Then they lose four in a row. Then they beat Buffalo. And just when you think they're about to snap that streak, they lose to Carolina in overtime, but after get the game was tied in the last second. Yep. So, but they've kind of followed this pattern where the like they don't even and and they don't even have many overtime games in this. I mean, I believe at the total. I mean, look, going back to before the All Star break, they had lost a couple in overtime there, but then really they've only they only have that loss in overtime to Nashville, a loss in overtime to the Rangers, and this most recent loss in overtime to Carolina. So it's either win or get nothing. And that's really a good way to go about your business for the rest yes. of the year too. Is either Absolutely. is either you play so well that it's inevitable you're going to get the two points. Picking up or you're getting points nothing. is not helping you. Right. And you know, we're we'll dive into the lottery race a little bit more coming up, but but the thing about watching them from that standpoint is 
I don't sit here and watch because over the course of the week, like Tuesday in particular, I think was a night where it was like, oh, you know what? So they don't finish the comeback against Vegas. And while you're at it, you go, Montreal has been in, in a position to potentially win a game against Pittsburgh the whole night. So do they finish that off or at least get a point? Because if the Flyers get nothing, even a point for those teams is better than nothing. You know, but you can't worry about did Montreal win? Did Chicago beat Boston? Did, you know, who won? You know, did Anaheim get another win? You can't focus on those teams unless you focus on what you do yourself. I mean, if the Flyers keep getting no points and those teams even get so much as a single point, yep. then you've got something. But when you get points and the Flyers now have gotten, you know, after going over a week without getting any points, got points three straight. Yep. Well, got three points in two nights, and that changes the picture. It does tra- change the picture drastically. So yeah. you can't get invested in, oh, they keep dropping, they keep dropping. You know, you can't get invested in it unless they're the ones that keep putting up nothing. It sure. starts there. Then you worry about, oh, did the other teams win? Because you can't bank on the other teams making up the points. Without you know, without you gaining the points is is basically the point. And and, and to get to get three points against the teams that they did, you know, like Buffalo had a lot to play for that night. Like really, their season's on the line at this oh, point. Yeah. They, you know, and they came out and they seemed flat for part of the yep. game. And same thing with the Carolina game. I mean, not the Carolina didn't have a, as like Carolina's got something to play for. Not I don't think the stakes are as high for them as Buffalo because. Carolina's making but the way, playoffs. But the way the Flyers played that night, Carolina should have won that game four or five nothing. Let's be honest. If they were pushing and playing their best. I, I don't want to go so far as to say they should have won four or five nothing, but I think that I think that that's what opened the door for the comeback. Like like I think the first period started the way that like I get where you're going. It was two nothing after the first period. But from there, like I I'm not surprised that they got on the board or anything like that and they were still you know like they give up a third one and it's like it re- that that really happened over the latter part of the second period and again you That's know what? i'm not even surprised about like any to me the part where carolina gets maybe sleepy maybe gets a little bit you know where they take the foot off the gas was the third because even the goal at the end of the second that makes it three to two that's off of two penalties it's five that's on fair. three that's fair you know, and I get it. The power play's been awful all year, but they get the goal at five on three, and you kind of have to eat that one, you know, from the penalties that you take. And it was really in the third period where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, for the better part of 19 minutes, they were not really playing the same level of game that they typically do. Right. Carolina wasn't, I mean. So the Flyers were in a position to not only complete the comeback, take the lead, potentially win the thing. And you're, I mean, you're talking about a game that unraveled in seven seconds for them. I mean, seven seconds was left when the penalty gets called. And it's their first penalty of the night, by the way. Right. Like, that's all of a sudden. Beca- like, like it's funny. Now the power play has put up. I, I think now it's been three straight games they've scored a power play goal after not scoring forever. The, the, the recent power play numbers were something like three for 40 going into Tuesday. And now they've got goals in three straight games. You want to talk but about the penalty a- kill has been terrible. You want to talk about a big part of the reason of the power play success? You're gonna. You're gonna How about that guy? How about well, that he helped guy? it. Yes, there's no question about that. And so, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. By the way, YWT Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you'll see our banner that says Owen Tippett had his first career hat trick. And you know what? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I talk about teams going on long losing streaks and you know the locker room getting down and you got to find things to root for. This is the kind of thing. 
that you can absolutely root for because mm-hmm. Owen Tippett had a day for the Buffalo Sabres or against the Buffalo Sabres. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's great for the boys. It's great for the boys. It definitely is. Sure. And so uh, by the way, what I'm, I'm trying, I'm just trying to look really quick to con- confirm what I was saying and whatnot. So they've scored power play goals in two straight games, not three, but okay. I thought I thought maybe they had one against Vegas, but doesn't right. look like it. But either way, um, no Tippett really, you know, like we've talked about Owen Tippett a lot, and I do I do find there's an irony too because he look over the weekend. Forget just the hat trick portion of it. Like yeah, he had a night against Buffalo. Don't get me wrong, but against Carolina, he added two more assists. So yep. when you put a five point effort over two days back to back, pretty much within the same twenty four hours, practically. I mean, it was that. You're talking about a game that started at seven and a game that started at five, and it's the, and and oh by the way, it's the same weekend that we're in the build. You know, we're in the building for the game against Buffalo on Friday night. It's March seventeenth. A year earlier was the last game Claude Giroux ever played as a Flyer. And oh, what who did he get? No, and who did he get traded for? Oh, and Tippett. Good old like, and Tippett. And it just, but it, it was very Pre- much a full circle moment for the year he's had in terms of being part of the future. Like, yeah. We didn't really know what to expect when he came here last year, and there was a, and and at that time right. you got to remember it's a small you know it was a small enough sampling yep. to be and, like all right there's not well, going to be a lot of time. And he was a guy who had been a little underwhelming at the NHL level at that point. His development had been a little bit stunted was kind of the word on the street about him. He wasn't quite living right. up to his potential. Well, the and first he, here part we are of, a year later. He's got yeah. five points in two nights. Well, the first part of the problem with that statement was that. When you know, a in Florida, he never got more than forty-five games in a regular season. Right. And the first part of the problem with that was that when you're playing—not even say when you're playing that many games—because I think that that first year that he got forty-five was the fifty-six game season. Okay, so that's so almost he, a full season. He actually played close to a full year at the NHL level. But when you're playing for Florida, who was in the position to make the playoffs, and and, and his you know, ice time like was that, not. You're, yeah, you're yeah. not getting like I, I think I can see if we can. I'm trying to see if I can't gauge more about what his ice time was over that season potentially. I think I have to go into a little bit more of a detailed view than what I'm looking at at the moment to actually get all of that detail. But you get the point. Like, so he wasn't playing that much, and and really since I don't want to say since the deadline because they didn't make any significant move at the deadline, but they've been playing like. John Tortorella, we've talked about this before. John Tortorella has his favorites. You know, yeah. he has his guys that he envisions being something, and he has guys who he kind of pushes to the side a little bit more and isn't afraid to do the tough love approach on them, you know, kind of thing. And Tippett has been one of those guys that as the year has gone on, the minutes have grown and things like that. I mean, the other night, and I can just look at his last five games here or whatever, you know, you got two Carolina. It, it's actually funny because the game against Buffalo, and I, I can only assume that this has to do with where the score went later. He only played 16 minutes and 45 seconds against Buffalo. But, but I think that was because as the game got out of hand, they didn't need to play him. Right. And he rolled the fourth line way more. But but like look at a game against Vegas where they're down for most of the game. They're trying to push in the third period. He played 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Like that's the level of trust that Tortorella has in Tippett now that he's getting 21, 22 minutes a night. Is Owen Tippett your best forward right now? With Travis Konechny out, yes. Right, right. Okay. 
Yeah, and I think that's... And I think people act that way, if, if, if to be honest. Like, the uh, the rest of the room acts that way. Tortorella acts that way, because Tortorella had said... I had asked Tortorella after after the game that they played against the Rangers about Tippett, and and this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the Buffalo game, because his answer on Tippett was, not only, like, he gets the one goal against the Rangers, and he could have had one or two more if he hits the net. Right. And so... And this is, but this is where it's going at. Like, his, but his answer was interesting because it has like it's not about having one or two more if he just hits the net. His answer had to go with like had to do with he's constantly looking at me to go back out. That's really <laughs> telling for a player in terms of I want to be out there and playing the 20, 21, 22 minutes a night. I don't want to be you know like I'm gonna pull up his full like his bigger game log at this point. And it, okay, and this goes back even for like they've been able to manage his ice time a little bit better, not overdo it, but. He played on against the against the Rangers that night, and again, remember something about these handful of games that I'm going to read off because this was around the trade deadline, and they played with eleven forwards for a little while. Yes, when they were doing eleven seven, somebody's got to get extra ice time. So against the Rangers on March first, he played twenty seven minutes and forty seconds. I do remember that. And yeah, then the next game, and then the next game they played Detroit, and he played twenty four minutes and nine seconds. Yeah, and then against Tampa, he played twenty three minutes and forty seven seconds. It's only now that they've gone back to the twelve forward system that he's been playing closer Settled to twenty twenty one. Yeah, but but he went from playing at one point in time like like okay the game that they went on the road and played against Seattle, he played thirteen minutes and forty seconds. Like that's coming a long way from thirteen minutes forty seconds to averaging twenty a night. Yeah, like there's a big difference, and he didn't break much more than fifteen sixteen for a good chunk of those nights. You know, even even as recently as January, when the team was playing at their absolute best, Travis Konechny's probably tearing it up because that was around that time that he got really hot. Tippett was playing 14, 15, 16 minutes a night at best. Now he's upped his time, his ice time four minutes. And part of it has to do with trying him on the penalty kill, too. They've been doing that lately because this is what it's all about at this point. Who sticks? Who's going to play in those roles and whatnot? And I think that. More and more, Tippett's become that level of player, and and the goals well, are coming. And you see, you know, you see now he's now he's got he's got a round number to his name at this point. Twenty, you know, he's at yep. twenty one, obviously, but twenty is a round he's number. A twenty goal name. scorer, right? And we that knew is... that, that was we felt that coming, but all of a sudden, like he because he did it in one game, he went from eighteen to twenty one in one game, and there's still, I mean, you're down to under fifteen now, but I believe it's fourteen games to go or fifth or thirteen games to go. Twenty five, certainly not out of the question. Exactly, yep. especially if he's going to get twenty minutes a night, and especially yep. if you're going to, especially if well, you're going to play teams that he can potentially score against. Well, and the thing about Owen Owen Tippett has always been what's always been the number one thing you notice about his game. Well, I th- I think that there's a couple things. I mean, but it's it's the shot. It's right. the shot. His shot is the most advertised thing, but it's but it, it, the weird thing is is that I mean, like yes, it was on full display against Buffalo, but he scored a lot of goals where it's not necessarily the number one thing. Right. But what I'm saying is his talent profile, the big bold headline says this kid shoots absolute piss missiles. <laughs> that is his headline. And it is. What we're seeing now is him rounding out his game. He's picking up minutes on the penalty kill. He's starting mm-hmm. to play a better you know, team game. He's scoring the dirty goals. He's he's getting involved in all aspects of the game. He is rounding out. Like, okay, it's a little early to call him a superstar, but Owen Tippett right. is starting to look like he could be a star in this league. 
he's looking like a guy who like and I'm willing to amend some things that I've said about him over the course of the year because one of the things I'd said was you know he's he I had said earlier in the year he was the type of player that you you'd love on a contending team to stick on your yep. third line because when you get a guy like that behind the the true top superstars like and, and I'm just picking because yep. it's the first team off the top of my head Edmonton if you're gonna play behind Man. your no but if you're gonna play behind McDavid Drysdale level players and still be able to give you 20 a year by playing lesser role, lesser minutes, maybe the dirtier minutes because you're going to sit McDavid for pen, you know, maybe not penalty kill, but you know what I you know what I mean. Like and they've tried everybody on planet earth on on uh Connor's wing. Put O and Tippett there, the kid scores 6. Right, I hear you. Either way. Okay, so let's either way. Um Hyman the, McDavid the, Tippett sounds pretty good. Holy. The, the three things that I notice most about Tippett's game at this point, and one of the one of them I will say has become a little bit more well rounded over the course of a year than the other two, because the other two are still consistent. Not consistent. They just need to be. Well, one thing is very consistent. The other thing needs to be used more consistently. The thing that needs to be used more consistently is the shot. Yes. He's got it. Use it. Yep. The thing that has been very consistent since almost day one is I don't know that I've seen another player on this team over the course of a year generate more scoring chances than he has. He is always in a spot where he could score. Yep. He and, and gets and I'm not talking about being in a spot where it's like, oh, he's always around the net in the right spot. No, like I mean he's getting as the puck in the scoring area yep. and has a chance to put that shot on goal if he chooses. It's how the hat trick happens. Yep. You know, like you're in the right spots at the right time and unleash it. Go ahead. And the other thing I think that has been more of an improvement over a year is he's definitely become a better skater. He's definitely like that was the thing that more people wanted to talk about on Friday than, oh, he's been look at the shot he takes. Look at his he, look at all the chances he gets. It's he's got a burst to his game that when used the, the right way and when he can get there to generate a potential breakaway from, you know, Joel Farabee had said, I've never seen a guy generate breakaways from the defensive zone. Like, yeah, it's wild. He, when he gets going, he can pick up speed. Now, the areas that he needs to improve upon, that, that, look, if he's going to be part of the penalty kill, it's got that's got to improve. But that they're working on that, and that's new. But I think that, but part of penalty killing and part of playing that way that I think has always needed to improve is he's good at creating chances and he's good at getting to the scoring areas. Yeah, can he work along the dirty areas to get possession if needed? I don't right. know that, like. He's definitely more of the finisher, not the playmaker. Not yet. Yes. And if and if he can round out that part of his game, then you've got a really well-rounded player that then I think you can start to teeter into the star territory. Right now he's a good he's a very good role player. That's fair. You know, he is a very good role player. And very, and, and look, very good role player can be second line quality. But I think he's a guy who is excited to have this expanded role on a team mm -hmm. that he knows isn't the best. Right. And I think he's taking advantage of it the best he can. And I think he is excited about hockey again. I think Florida had kind of killed some of that for him. And I think it, it's taken a little bit, but I think he's finally warming up and he's excited about hockey. And you're really seeing it shine through in his game because he just looks like he's having a good time. Exactly. So... You know, I don't look. I don't know. I, you know, we'll see where it goes. He's yeah. he's got still got development to do, but but this was encouraging, and and this was maybe the most encouraging thing too. Is if we go like go back far enough, I mean, it was when Travis Konechny came out of the lineup. It was right after the Calgary game, so they were wrapping up a road trip. They obviously look. They had that one bad weekend with the Montreal game and the and the New Jersey game. 
And then came that Ranger game. He plays 27 minutes, and that's where, and it becomes the, I'm all, like, he's looking at me constantly. Well, yep. since he's been looking at you constantly, he's been the number he's one player on the up. team. Yep. I mean, in every way, shape, and form. I mean, from if, if I go back and look at his game log from that point, um, you know, and he, it, it's not always point production. Like, he had a goal against the Rangers. He didn't score against Detroit, even though they won the game. He had an assist against Tampa Bay they had lost. The whole team got shut out against Carolina the first time around on the road, so nobody gets points. Nobody had a nobody had a great game against Pittsburgh. He didn't he didn't have the best game against Vegas, even though the team chipped away. But then you've got the last two, and like it's coming along. And even okay, and even the first two games after Konechny went out of the lineup, he scored two goals in two straight games. So he's got the he's got six goals and now three assists since Konechny was out of the lineup. And and and. Let's be clear. The reason why he's only got six goals and three assists is not because of a lack of chances. Like against Vegas, he had a ton of chances. It's it's the fact that you know over the course of a handful of those, ga- those games, he had two shutouts in there. You've got another couple of games where they barely were able to score more than two goals. Like when the whole team isn't scoring, he's not going to carry the team, and that's the difference. Like that's he's fair. not going to he's not going to carry the team by himself. I don't know that yeah. he'll ever be, and right. I don't even know if he'll ever be that player. It's too early to tell, but. What he can do is be a very good supplemental offensive piece that now very clearly can give you 20 a year pretty easily because we're at 60, you know, 65 games in, 66 games in. We're talking when he's when he's reaching that mark. Yeah. So he can give you 20 in about 65 to 70 games. So what can he do in the final 11, 12 that you go, all right, maybe 25 is not out of the question. For and, sure. And, and with more consistency and more ice time, he can be a player who can get you 25 much more consistently, maybe even teeter into the 30 range if he really starts putting up. But, like, there was a big difference. Like, he went from – we had had – I remember having a discussion at Tuesday's game about how he ended up with, I think, three shots on goal that night, but something like 10 attempts, missing the net, having the shot blocked, whatever the case may be, right? You can't miss the net 70% of the time and expect to be – a top offensive player if you're if you're taking that many shot attempts. Full blown Mighty Ducks Fulton style, one out of five. Almost, yeah. <laughs> no, and do you know what he does the next night when he had the hat trick? Seven shots on goal, nine attempts. That's more Much like better. it. That's going to get that's going to produce multi goal games. That's going to get you noticed around the league. So it, it really is, it, to be honest, it really does come down to accuracy with him to an extent because he gets enough chances he can score that many goals. Right. He gets enough chances. If he gets his shooting percentage into a range where he's not at the 7 8% mark and he can – and I'm, that's shooting percentage scoring a goal, not even just attempts. Like, right. If he can get his shooting attempts down where it's like, you know what, I'm not missing the net 60% of the time. I'm missing the net 40% of the time. Then you're going to get nights where he he has five six shots on goal, nine attempts, and he'll score, he'll score five to ten more goals per year because absolutely. If he if he if, tightens that up, he could easily get into the thirties for the amount of games where he had has scoring chances. We're already talking, um, we're already talking twenty five goals if he's hitting the net as frequently as he could, you know. But even down to, like, we we started to see this. He had, in 21 games last year after the trade, he had four goals and seven points. But really, the four goals is the big number I want to circle because, again, he got so many chances that if he had either hit the net or, con, you know, consistent, you know, whatever, consistently scored, he could have had seven or eight. 
in those That's first fair. 21 games. And, That's fair. And brought his season total last year from 10 to 14, 15. You know, it was distinctly possible. And that's the difference. You know, he's not a guy who is going to, you know, he's not a defensive darling or anything like that. And he's not, but, and he doesn't take a lot of penalties. Like he's got 14 penalty minutes all year in 64 games. And he had 12 last year in, what, what do I got? 60, 63. So it's about the same mark. Like he doesn't take penalties. That's fair. So if he can that's clean up, say. but he, if he can clean up the defensive part of his game, then you've got something and, yeah. you know, and Would, clean up his defensive game and, and be more of a hard worker. But he was, you know, at le- you know, he's at least starting to draw closer, especially when you consider big picture overall, the way that the 2017 draft was, he's starting to look like a player who fits kind of where he was taken because okay. he was, because he was taken like he was taken 10th overall and that, you know, when you consider some of the other players, that sounds about right. Like, it sounds about right, does it not? No, it does. And you know? I, I know situations have plenty of time to change, but I'm asking you right now, if your Danny Briere is mm-hmm. Owen Tippett a guy that you're looking at still being on your roster in five years? Like, is are you are you keeping him through a rebuild? I think today the answer is yes. Okay. In the next year, the good news is, you have the next year to figure a lot of that out. I mean, not not he. Look, he's still young enough that yeah. it's more than a year. But but he signed through. Like he signed through next year. And imagine, like he's going to be one of your best forwards. He's clearly a guy who's got Tortorella's trust, like we said, right? And like, he'll still be an RFA after that, right? I believe so. That's where okay. I was going with that. But yeah. but where I was where I was really going with this, his contract. He's got a one point five million dollar cap hit. Nothing. Nothing. Which is exactly what we thought going into this year when he signed that contract to begin with, which and was like. And if he is a 30-goal scorer and you're not going to keep him, mm-hmm. you're trading him at next deadline. He's an RFA making $1.5 million. Come on. Come on. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring, anyway. well, bring something up really quick to put a bow on it because I just told you what year he came out of, right? Yeah. What draft year he came out of. And we all know what draft year that is, right? It's Nolan Patrick, correct? Yeah. Okay. okay. So just hypothetically speaking. Just straight off the cuff here with this. How many career games played do you think that both of those players have? That Nolan Patrick has and Owen Tippett has? This is going to... Look, this is player A, player B without the mystery. Yeah, this is not... Okay. These numbers many, might how many be horrible. Nolan Patrick, 180. Okay. Owen Tippett, 320. <laughs> okay. You're no, you're much closer. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You're much closer on Nolan Patrick. Okay. Ironically, the number that you gave for Nolan Patrick is almost identical to Owen Tippett's. That's funny. Owen Tippett has 179 career games. <laughs> That's played. funny. Nolan How? Patrick has 222, even though he didn't More, play. Really? For, okay. He, well, it's the career path. Tippett did not come into the league. You're right. I mean, he, well, Patrick he, walked right in. I shouldn't say that. Tippett came into the league and played seven games straight out of the draft. Yep. And then went back and didn't see the NHL again until after the COVID year. That's not wild. even the bubble. That's wild. Right? Nolan Patrick played the entire 17-18 season, the entire 18-19 season, took a year off for the migraines, and then was back for the COVID was back for the COVID year and played all but four games. 
That's fair. I forgot then, about that. He was just okay. terrible. Right. Then he the trade. trade. He just wasn't really there. Then the trade <laughs> happened. The injuries resurfaced again, and he has and he played just twenty five games for Vegas. And it looks like he's not going to play again. Okay. Now, yep. with that in mind, we're talking. I mean, we're talking. That's forty games less. Almost fifth. Almost forty five games less. Right. How many goals and points? does Owen Tippett have in his career compared to Nolan Patrick? Oh, I'm willing to bet it's more. Because like I said, that last Nolan Patrick season barely counts. <laughs> sure. So, But how many how many goals and points? He said it was think? 179 games. I yeah, think. 179 games for Owen Tippett with very limited playing time until this season. So what do you think? The uh, Or until the trade anyway. So what do you think? 55 goals. No, that's too many. That's too many. Okay. 45 goals, 50 assists, 90 points. Not bad. Okay. 39 goals. Okay. 40 assists, okay. 79 points. Okay. Okay. I and, feel, and, you know, I feel great about that. And, Pulling and, that out of absolutely and, nowhere. And here's the thing. And realize the numbers this season are 21, 11, 39. And right? I knew that this season was playing right. big in that one. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So, so what are Nolan Patrick's career numbers? Oh, geez. So we had a good... The first year wasn't great. The second year was really solid. And the third year is when things kind of started to slip a little bit. Well, uh, he didn't have a real third year. His third no, year that's was out for saying. the year. And then, he, right. and then the fourth year was really Bad rough. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say 28 goals, 80 total points. Not bad. That's that's the best one you've had yet. What you said? Oh, 20... I, I watched Nolan Patrick's no, career. I, I didn't really watch 20, Owen Tippett's wait, career. I, I, I said you. 28 and 80. Okay, you are three points over. Okay, and four goals short. Okay, thirty-two seventy-seven. Thirty-two seventy-seven. You but, know, listen. Okay. But here's the reason why I want to bring that up. Okay, because first of all, now Tippett has more points. I get which. Okay, fine, I get yep. that. But the goal total at thirty-two for a career from the yep. second overall pick that everybody was talking about. <sighs> no. Is almost what Tippett has this year. Shut up. Tippett's at twenty-one. No, but. So Owen is the Claude Giroux trade the best thing Chuck Fletcher ever did in Philadelphia? It's not bad. With the first round pick on it too? Come on. Right. Well, and well, and even bigger than that is, and listen, it's it's actually interesting because everybody was really disappointed about the fact that that wasn't a pick in this year's draft. Fair. And here's the thing. The only thing that that pick in this year's draft was really potentially going to do for you was maybe allow you to package something to move further if you wanted to. And I think teams are going to be very hard to... It's going to be hard to move teams off of picks. Yeah. Yes. At this and given no, moment... And nobody's moving anything before the lottery at well, this no, point. It's at just this not given, Well, sure. At this given moment, Florida is right there in the playoff race, yep. which means that that pick this year is going to be latter half of the league again. Yep. But Florida was not very good early in the year. Like, they struggled. Oh, they did struggle. So what happens now if – and I'm not saying you're like – because the Flyers' own pick next year is going to be lower probably. Oh, yeah. You know, Briere has even said as much. So what happens if Florida gets like 12th, 13th? So it's not in the range of protections, but it's – But it's a pick. Yeah. But what happens if you couple next year? And I know that the draft next year is not going to be on the same level as this year. But what happens if you couple picks and you go fifth and twelfth? 
Maybe. What it, depends, it depends on who's there. Well, it, it sure it does. But it's but my point is you could add two players. That, and it, it's not the exact same scenario. I'm not trying to compare it. But like a la Richards and Carter in the same year, separated by about 15 picks. It's it's very similar where you could end up depending. Uh, the key is not where you draft. The key is how you develop them after that. Jay O'Brien and Joel Farabee. Well, we can go on. No, but we because we don't have a ton of time left, so we no. Uh, let's let's move on since we're talking about development and kind of the, the no. I know, but I, like no, but I was getting I was going into the Jay O'Brien thing because like Joel Farabee, we'll see Jay O'Brien. Maybe you know, not so much. DeAndre Miller was there, right? I I know, not a great pick. I know. Just um, I, and, we, and we all thought that's who it was going to be. By the talking way, talking about people who were good picks though, could uh, be, could be a Still guy. Early, yes, a guy who's played a couple NHL games and scored. His first goal. Let's talk about Tyson Forrester a little bit. He now up until this week, this was the first chance I got to see him in person, like or in a long time because, like since preseason, I'm talking because they played on the road to start with, and I think in those first couple of road games, I mean, look whether you can you can read into where they played and things like that. It was two playoff teams, Carolina and Pittsburgh, and you know I get all that probably a little tentative in those first few games, a little nervous and all that type of stuff like that. He started to look like he was finding his form against Vegas. Right. And then really against Buffalo, you started to see it. And he's that that, this is, we're talking games four and five over this weekend where he gets the point first on, you know, has what looks like it could be a scoring chance. Joel Farabee cleans it up, which good for Joel Farabee also, because he hadn't scored in 26 games, which (laughs) like, well, and then look what happened the next night scores again. Like, funny how that happens, right? Like, yep. once you get one, sometimes it opens the floodgates. But but for Forrester, like, that's everything that you want to see in his game. The goal is pretty. The play on the power play to get, get another assist against Carolina to have a two-point game. Exactly yep. what you want to see from him. And I, I had asked, again, another player I asked Tortorella about after, after the Buffalo game, and he He's right about this. He's still just a tall drink of water at this point in terms of he's he hasn't filled out or anything. Bulking up he, or anything. Right. He well and and you're talking about a midseason, we just want to see what he's got kind of thing. And it very much falls in line with what you to this point anyway, with what I don't want to say perfectly, but it, it, with what you've gotten from Sam Harrison, where it's like this it this guy interests me. Now I want to see more. You know, like yeah, absolutely. I, I think they feel the same way to an extent with Elliot Desnoyers as well. Like, in, he's interesting. We want to see more. Like, don't be surprised. And and this would be a totally fair way to a- approach next season. Don't be surprised if you don't try to go after keeping the guys like. And I'm trying to think of the expiring contracts here a little bit. So bear with me. But like, I don't see a purpose following the deadline to keep Brendan Lemieux, whether he's played well or not. I agree. You know, Cause he's done some things. He scored a couple goals. I'm not trying to say sure, he can't play, sure. but I don't see the point in keeping Brendan Lemieux. And I totally see the point of going through camp and saying, you know what? Dana is worth a shot here longer term. And we'll take another long look at Tanner Lazinski and we'll take another, you know, Wade Allison's going to be part of this picture again next year. And Yep. Tyson Forrester makes this team out of camp this time because he's gotten the offseason to get himself into more NHL shape. He knows what he's got to do this time. Yeah, I, I think next next year's Flyers should look a lot like the 2021 right. Phantoms. It, and, and if your goal is truly get younger, 
then look, you're not shedding all of the weight there. You're going to have your, you know, you know and James Henry Hayes will have, still be there. I don't know about that. Well, guy. probably. I don't know about that. Look, I, I, look, my answer with Kevin Hayes is I wouldn't be surprised either way. Okay. And, and the reason I say that, because, because here's the thing with Kevin Hayes, and this kind of diverts a little bit from the Forrester thing, but we're talking about we'll getting get right younger. back to it. No, but yeah. we're talking about getting younger, which is a fair part of the conversation. Yeah. If you look at, if you look at Kevin Hayes and the whole situation there, there's three possibilities and only two of them, I guess, really make sense in the long, not in the long run, but make sense for next year. I'll say the three possibilities are nothing happens and he stays because the contract is the contract. So you're stuck. You got the three years left at 7.14 mil and, and you just don't move it. Possibility. Number two is you trade him and probably eat salary along the way. And number three is buyout. To me, a buyout just doesn't make sense because it prolongs what you owe. Yep. I would rather eat the two and a half million dollars in retention yep. for three get, years. Get them down under. Then five. buy them out for then buy them out for six years of payment at one point five or two point five, like right. somewhere in that range because it, it it varies every year. That's fair. Like, like I don't see the purpose of. Well, we got to keep that contract partially on the books for that long. If you want to keep it on the books for the next three years to, you know, to free up five million dollars because you're right. going to give it to younger players, right. fine. One well, in three or four years, we all expect the cap to be much higher than it is today. Anyway. No, we do, but so that that also helps is you want to get that out of the way, pay the did, pay the right. piper while you're bad. Right. The different, yeah, exactly. The difference is not in like, look, a rebuild can go as long as as long as you want it to. Meaning you can start to see your way out of it in th- in two to three years, or you can see your way out of it in four to five like most teams do. Or you can be Buffalo, and it takes about a decade and a half. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what has this decade been here, too? You know, well, extent. you know, you're not wrong about that. Um, okay. but, you get my, no, but you get my point. Like, yes. You have, that's your option there. I mean, you know where you're getting, you know where you're getting best of both? You're getting seven million dollars in cap space and a lot younger when James and Reams like is not on this team. And you're getting that is true. And you should get a lot younger when Justin Braun's not on the team, obviously. Or yep. I mean assu- assuming so anyway. You know I don't assume I don't, I don't know if that's a safe assumption at this point. Uh, yeah, I hear you never and never assume, but like But listen, if the kid if the guy wants to live in Haddonfield and play here for on constant, constant one-year contracts at a million, you know, a million and a half, then be my guess. Justin yeah. Braun's not an offensive seventh defenseman. It's fine. No, I get you there. and, <laughs> and, and Especially why you're not good anyway. And he's probably, just given what I've seen of the guy, obviously you have a much closer look at the team than I do, Yeah, seems like a great guy. Big oh, he team. definitely is. He's like a, team dad kind of guy. And with a bunch of kids running around, that's not a bad well, thing. Like, well, look at look at Patrick Marlowe in Toronto. Like, I know well, Justin I know. Braun's not bringing the same skill. But you no, but well, and for me, for a guy who hasn't like last year played a lot and that's why he got traded. Right. This year kind of had to take the part where he wasn't going to play as much. That's fair. Like. Because like, let's looking put this, at the kids. No, like when we had this, look, we had this discussion last week a little bit, so I'm going to get off of it pretty quickly here. But yeah. like, because you had asked me about Hayes and Faraby and guys like yeah. that about being traded, like Faraby, I don't think so. You have to like, if you're looking at your RFAs for next year, and I do think that this is going to stick for the most part. It's Morgan Frost, Noah Cates, um, oh, Kiefer Bellows. Hold on, Kiefer Bellows. No, Tippett signed through next year. Oh, I think you said next year. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, no. This is this is this offseason. Your RFA is this offseason. Okay, yes, okay. this offseason. So it's 
It's Frost, Cates, Bellows, Brendan Lemieux is a UFA, and that is it among forwards. Frost and, and among... Cates are the only one I'm worried about there. And then uh, defensively, Cam York is an RFA, Justin Braun's a UFA, and I believe that that's it. So Cam York's your only real... Right. And see, here's the thing. You want to keep the dad figure in place among your defensive group? Then it's going to be Nick Sealer. Because Nick Sealer is 29 fair. years old, makes under no, makes under a million dollars, and he'll play six defensemen for the whole year. That's fair. Fine. Whatever. You're in, you know what? Like now I don't think- I've really come around on Nick Sealer to be honest. I know I well, wasn't he- the biggest fan when he came here and I he's really won me over. Well, that, well, he's no, got some skill. Well, and here's the answer for Sealer. You play him all year next year like you did this year. If there was a market for him this year, there will be a market for him next oh, year where yeah. you can get that mid to late round pick just for a guy who makes less than a million dollars. Do it, you know? Yep. Like, absolutely do it. Every But everybody else is, like, in question. Now, now don't forget, you got Tony D'Angelo with $5 million on for one year. No, f- but but because it's one year, there that's another contract you can play with in, in a trade. I hope so. Well, I don't. I just don't know. It, there's still not a lot about it that makes sense. I mean, don't for, let's not forget also, by the way, that he absolutely got walked on that overtime goal yeah, he did. by Aho, which you know. All right, we are bumping up against a little bit of a time constraint here. I do want to touch on one more thing before we get yeah, out. Yeah, no, here. no, no. We, we'll get off of that. The, the Flyers currently have the sixth best odds at the first overall pick today, as we sit here on Sunday morning recording. Yes. So Connor Bedard is coming up to the end of his uh, WHL season. Have you seen his stats recently? Not recently, because okay. I've really it, it, the Flyers have been very busy lately, and he has played fifty four games. Yep. How many goals do you think he has? Oh, now we're this is the oh yeah. You're I quizzing me. I'm quizzing you. That's Let's... fine. Um, well, he was already he was already north of like big numbers as it is. So I'm gonna say he has how many games? You say fifty four. 54. He's close to a goal per game player, so I'll say 50. Okay, how many assists do you think he has? He's definitely north of 100 points by now because he's nearly a two-point ga- per game player. So I'm going to sit there and say that he has – I'll say that he has 58 assists. He's got 108 points. Okay. Hey, Kevin. Oh, it's, it's way more than that, isn't it? He has 69 goals and 70 assists for 139 points. I haven't been paying attention for a little while, okay? <laughs> And like the season, the season's almost over. His end of season projection in fifty-seven games is one forty-seven. I want to. He's got sixty-nine goals in fifty-four games. I do want to hold on. I do want to look at something really (laughs) quick. How does any team win a hockey game this year? I hear you. All right. So, how many total points did you say? One hundred and thirty-nine right now. In fifty-four games, that's junior level. So I get it. This is an interesting conversation. Because, no, because there's a lot of discussion about Bedard in the future and Connor McDavid and so who's going to be the better player. I saw and, a graphic recently. They had a very similar number of points. Yes. Connor McDavid was much more even. Connor Bedard was much more goal skewed. Okay, that's which is fair. Yep. It's First of all, it's not that far. Now, now McDavid's played more games, obviously. But right. you got to factor in... Like, Bedard's at least in for somewhat of a rude awakening when he gets to the NHL because it's not the WHL. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, it's a jump from junior to pros when you're playing. Like, it's what's impressive about Bedard is that he's playing. Like, it's his age level among the age level that the WHL usually is. We're not talking about this kind of performance. McDavid, in, McDavid's, 
McDavid's draft year, he had 44, 76, 120 points in 47 games. Fewer yeah, games. So he played way less because, well, because didn't he? But the point totals he, track out about the same. Well, didn't he in that year play more junior, not junior time, but like world junior time? Because at, at his age in that in his draft year, he would have been playing world juniors traditional well, plus he played the, the under 18. No, it was the under 18s. You're right. You're right. It wasn't the Olympics. Well, no, he, right. but he plays both. He would play the under 18s and the under 20s because they put him with the typical world junior team with the overagers. No, that was 20, 2014 15. He played in the Olympics. Probably. Yeah. 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 Because there was no NHL players there. I remember him. Right, playing he was still in an Olympics. amateur, so he could play. Yeah. 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 But. All right. Um, either, well, either way, way so the point Flyers, I was making is that there's a yeah. rude awakening coming at the NHL level to an extent. Like you don't just put up. Maybe. Like, well, Connor, I mean, Connor McDavid walked right in. No, I, I don't mean in terms. I don't mean that he's not going to produce. Okay. Like the kids probably got like I wouldn't be shocked. If the kids got a forty goal. You know, like okay, right. McDavid. If he, we if know he McDavid, stays healthy, right? We know McDavid got hurt right away. If Brandon Manning's with, not there to break his collarbone. Okay, but let's go with his first full season. Okay. 30 goals, 100 points, dead even, right on the right on the button. That's doable for Bedard in year one. But it right. didn't like McDavid didn't hit 40 goals until the second full season and only broke and only got to 41. It's only the last two years. He set career highs the last two years in goals, and he set and career highs in points in the last two years. Like Bedard, McDavid Bedard's did, a better McDavid, goal scorer than McDavid is. Oh, well, that's pretty. I'm not saying, saying I'm not saying I'm not saying better player. No, 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 but I'm saying that's going to be saying something then for a guy who's got 58 goals at the NHL level who's going to hit who looks like he's going to – he might hit 70. Yeah. I mean, um, he, is, he is pretty much the offense at this point, but – It's but, insane. Uh, Connor McDavid is stupid. But but in terms of putting a bow on and, on the show and the lottery yeah. talk, let's, let's be – okay, so let's be real about something right off the bat today. I'm not talking about it whenever you know whenever our next show is i'm not talking about in the last couple shows of the season when we wrap things up i'm not talking about it because okay. this, it's not going no because it's not going to happen they're not falling to the lowest odds or the best odds. no no, no 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 definitely the not odds. they're no. not falling 13 points to columbus and at this point i would even go far like they're not falling 10 points to san jose's level no. i will give them the possibility of falling to chicago's level because chicago has been better and there is still that last game of the year that's fair. That's the that's, only thing that's that's going to be that some ugly play. hockey. But otherwise, I mean, Anaheim has pulled back to within realistically five at one point. It's six yep. right now, but five. And Montreal is within two. And Montreal at one point Montreal was ahead of them. Montreal's lost a few games, and the three points the Flyers got changed that picture around drastically. Yep. But I think that they're like they could look. I don't even know if they could climb the three points that they need to pass Arizona, Vancouver, St. Louis at this point. So. I think that you're focused in on where Montreal is first and foremost. Anaheim and Chicago still have an outside shot, but the three points this weekend makes it look a lot less likely. Realistically, you're you're hoping I think they're best, for the top. Five. I think their best odds are that they finish fifth best in yep. like with the fifth fifth best odds. And honestly, and that picking, that puts you right in position to win a lottery spot. Five, number five wins. All I the mean, time. you've got a chance like for a lot. Yep. You've got a chance for a lot of stuff in fifth, like and, and good and bad. Yep. In fifth, you you've got a chance to drop. As, right, you can drop as low as seventh. You could catch a break and finish first or second. I mean, look, the ideal position since they won't finish first in this case would be third because third means you're guaranteed a top five. That's fair. And I think you, it, like your odds are your odds are over twenty, like I think twenty three percent to get one of the top two. It's at least forty, or it, it's forty. It's at least seventy percent, I think, to stay 
in the top four where there's okay. more talk of generational talent than there is. Yeah, there's a couple names there. Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Matvey Mitch. Nobody should look, nobody should be disappointed for as much as we talk about Bedard. Nobody should be disappointed if they win one of the two draws. There, no, even the top four, like you said, there are four good players. Well, well, there's three really good players in this draft and Connor Bedard. No, 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 is the reason ridiculous. the reason I was pulling back on this is because we can't even talk about third place. That's fair. Like, Fantilli like, is really right. a second, like, a solid me, second. You're right. You're going off of Bedard Fantilli, and if you win one of the two pulls, and then, then flip you're a coin between Mishkov and Carlson. Yeah. Well, well, there's a lot of talk about Mishkov being, um, you know, down, fall, well, no, falling a little bit because of probably because of the three years that it's going to take for him to get there. That's fair. But if you're a team like the Flyers who shouldn't care about that, that's I the problem. Be is about it, is you bring in a player like. You know, a high-end player, and he just makes you too good. But uh, either way, we'll figure that out next week. Um, we will be back next week. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get out of here, follow us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Find us everywhere you find your shows: Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, SportsTalkPhilly.com. Um, find us everywhere. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like button over there. And uh, we'll be back next week. See you later.